Welcome to Friendo Podcast, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. As a YouTuber, I've shared my life online for the last eight years, and now I'm excited to learn about you. Friendo celebrates people and their stories, from interesting jobs to unique passions and curious life skills that the world should hear about. Community is everything. Let's do this. Mental health is top of mind for me these days. Over the last 18 months, and to be honest, long before that, I've spoken freely about my mental health. I've shared some of the great moments, and I haven't shied away from sharing those darker, harder times. There is still so much stigma around mental health issues, especially when you're not officially diagnosed with a disease or disorder that would warrant some type of intervention. For years, I sought out talk therapy when things were awful, and then I continued to seek therapy when things were going well. Recently, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety and have actually started taking a daily medication to help me feel better. All of this is, of course, working with my doctor. I know some people have reached out and been worried, but in Canada, you just, not that I know of, you can't just get that medication. You know, for me, it's always been a mixture of talking through my emotions, using exercise and movement, time in nature, rest, social time. And now I've added in this extra layer of medication. And honestly, I'm really proud of myself for prioritizing my well-being. Here's the thing. If me, a grown woman, has been struggling through this last year, and without question, so have my kids, and likely kids all over the world. How are kids coping? How are they handling the secondary stress from parents? How are they doing with missing out on in-person learning, missing in-person time with their friends? My guest today is Jessica Gottlieb, a clinical social worker in private practice with over 18 years of professional experience. She works with children, adolescents, young adults, and their families. She is also the critically acclaimed author of the best-selling book, Being B, an interactive book and workbook about overcoming worry and building self-confidence for kids. Fun fact, I went to high school with Jessica. We didn't exactly roll with the same friends, but I was always impressed by her academic abilities. Over the last few months, I've reconnected with a few women I went to school with, and it's so nice to see how people are doing since those days. High school is strange and awkward, and if we're really breaking it down, our brains aren't even fully formed yet, so thank goodness for time and a fresh perspective as we reconnect online. Jessica is now a mother of three, and in today's episode, we discuss her new book and insight on how children have been coping these last few months, along with some parenting tips that I definitely took away. At the end of the episode, Dean and I discuss our feelings around report cards and some of the specific ups and downs we've experienced with our children lately. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on here. I think that the topic that we're going to be discussing is super relevant right now. 
And also Jessica and I knew each other in high school and we grew up in the same neighborhood and you gotta love technology where you can keep tabs on people over the years. And so what is your life like these days? I know you're a mom. How many children do you have? Yes, I am a mom and I have three children ages nine six and 10 months and life is busy and fun and my kids are great. And, and I, one of the reasons why I, 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 I I need to use my clinical part of my brain. And I was just actually on maternity leave as I have a baby who's 10 months old. And one of the reasons why I still needed to work a little bit on my maternity leave, I needed to use that clinical part of my brain because I'm so passionate about it, which led me to why we're here today. Yes. So tell me about this. This is a great lead up because, you know, I mean, I feel that because I know when I was on, I I say mat leave, but I wasn't technically leaving anything. But when I had my daughter, I was like, all right, we're busy. This is a busy season, but I also think I could do something. And that's where all of this started. I started a YouTube channel and here we are. Um, But tell me. Yeah, that's so yeah, that's how it all started, you know. Like you, wow. I just needed to use my creative brain. I was like, we need to do something here. Um, yeah. but tell me, you wrote a book. So tell me a little bit about this book, Being B. So Being B, it's an interactive book for children ages six to twelve, but actually five-year-olds uh, have been using it really successfully. And it empowers, provides tools, and teaches children how to overcome worries and to build self-confidence. And B learns that she has the power within her name all along. So the magic power within her name to be confident and to be strong and to be proud. I love it. So first of all, how did you even find the time to write this book? Like, what was that process like that creative process? Well, I always had this idea. I noticed that there was a huge need for a a book like this. And I had this idea two years ago, uh, more than that, actually. Now I was sitting in a cognitive behavioral therapy training and I had this idea of this book and how I would have the story on the left and the worksheet on the right. And, and I thought of a little bit of an idea, Um, but I didn't have time at that point. I was working many hours, you know, two kids, life was busy. Uh, but then, uh, there was a global pandemic (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, I was on maternity leave during this pandemic. So there wasn't much for me and my daughter to, to, to do. So, um, while she was napping, I said, you know what, let me, let me start writing a little bit and seeing how this works out. And then my son had a little argument with a, one, of, one of his little friends in, in kindergarten. And I said to his name is Brayden. And I said to him that he has the power like a superhero within his name to be, because I call him B, to be mm-hmm. confident and to be strong and to be proud. And he loved it. He was amazing the next day, super confident, not an issue. You know, situation was averted. Um, but that's when something clicked for me. I needed to have this little girl in my story to be named B (laughs) and for her to realize that she has the power within her name to use the coping strategies as well. That's one of the things I really liked about this book. So I was reading the book the other day and it, it definitely is just like you said, you know, it's the story, but then there's these worksheets and I was sort of playing around with like, how would I use this? Like, I'd almost think about like, would I photocopy the worksheets? And then you could like pull them out as you need them. Um, or even just go through the exercise with your child and like read 
you know, here's the question. What do you think the answer would be? Does that sort of follow? I'm just curious, like, would that be something similar that you would actually do in your practice with a child? Yes. So first of all, the, you don't have to print out any, uh, you don't have to photocopy anything. The worksheets are free on my website. Oh, um, even better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could, you could, you could print all that out you, uh, all you want. And yes, I do use worksheets often in my practice, especially when I'm using, I use a multitude of approaches, but especially when I'm using a cognitive behavioral therapy approach, I use, um, or a strength-based approach, I often use uh, worksheets. And I noticed that in my practice, there weren't these types of worksheets for children this age, more for older, I would, I would, I would say a lot, a lot, there are, but more for, for older and not the way I wanted to. So yes, I do use that um, type of work in my practice and the kids love it. And there's studies that say that when you're writing things down, it goes to your brain a little quicker and you're able to use those coping strategies a little bit uh, better. I love that. So you've talked about having a baby during a pandemic and having a little bit of free time. Um, I use the term free time. That's like, you know, what's free time to a mom, right? Um, right. But, you know, being a parent to a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and seeing what, you know, this last year has been like just for our little family unit. And I feel like as challenging as it's been, there's been some perks. Like we have, I mean, I work from home and then my husband being a pilot has been home good and bad in those situations. But, you know, we've been able to have them home and we made a decision in September to put them in virtual school. I might've regretted that decision after making it. Um, So it was a really long year. And I did notice just little things coming up, Um, you know, not to pinpoint or embarrass my kids anyway, but like there was one of them that maybe little attachment things, having a hard time being away from us, Um, just struggles. You know, you see them, this is the time or any time really where children need to be in school developing socially and they're stuck with their mom and dad hanging out. Like, I think that there has been a lot of stuff coming out with children, but you know, have you seen these struggles yourself in your practice with your own kids? Have you seen stuff that's come out from the last year? Yes. So in my practice and with my own kids, of course. And I think that there are two extremes. That's what I've, I've noticed is that there's two extremes to how children are reacting to the pandemic. So my clients, my own children, there's two extremes. So on one hand, children are struggling. Um, they're developing more anxiety and actually a lot more OCD like tendencies. So especially when we think of the washing of the hands, the checking that things are clean, I've noticed a significant increase in that. And I'm actually quite curious to what uh, the statistics are going to say. So children are longing for more independence during this pandemic. So the more ways that we can find independence, depending on their age, right, and what's appropriate, um, I find that that is something that they are longing and it often helps when we find a way for them to be more independent. However, on the other hand, there's also children that needed the home time. They needed, Mm -hmm. uh, they had school anxiety or performance anxiety or social anxieties, not necessarily diagnosed, but maybe some worries. Um, And these children are actually doing quite well as there's more home time, there's more time with parents um, and there's less time in their stressful situations. So we're noticing less behaviors for the children who would typically have anxiety or even behavioral uh, issues in school. They're, They're less. 
Wow. That's really fascinating, but also not surprising. You're right. Like I know of a friend whose child was being bullied pretty badly and was struggling with just wanting to go to school and, and struggling with school and then spending some time at home hasn't been such a bad thing. Um, that's curious about the part that you said, and it makes sense about them wanting independence. Um, you know, we've tried and it's like, did I do it intentionally? Probably not. But there was a lot where the kids just were like on their own for school. Cause we're busy doing other things. And, um, you know, Hey, did you do your work today? Yep. And just trusting that they're telling you the truth. Yeah. And what I found is like, they were, and you know, it's kind of amazing when you're not on them all the time. I know with my two and I'm not on them all the time, they seem to flourish a little bit better. Like, um, even with tech time and, and how they spend their time online. Like I find that that's a big struggle. I'm segueing a little bit cause it's on my mind, but like with kids in this tech time, you know, I, I found this article that was like, it's not all the same, you know, like it's okay. If you give your kids a little bit of independence online and, um, you know, trust that they're going to do the right thing. And I mean, we can have apps to go in there and peek around as to what they're up to, but, um, that's very curious about, wanting a little bit of independence or that they'll need a little bit more of that when they're at home. Very curious. One of the things I found in your book is that, you know, there's a lot of terminology around feelings, emotions. Um, as I was reading it, I'm like, I'm benefiting from this, like the little exercise with the, you know, writing almost like a journal entry. Um, how are you finding that I guess, okay, what's the question here? The question is, you know, is this needed? Do we, do we need more words to be able to define how we feel? How does that help children? So yes, <laughs> we need more, <laughs> we need more words. And, and one thing that children need to learn and, and, and I wish I learned as a child is to learn how to identify feelings and not only to identify them, but to feel them. And the more that they do this, uh, the more, the less likely those feelings will be suppressed. And so what I explain to children in my practice is that when we keep feelings in, it's like a balloon. The more you keep them in, the more you keep them in, the more you keep them in, the balloon's going to get bigger. And then what's going to happen? And then the kid says, oh, it's going to explode or it's going to burst. And then I say, okay, so what does that bursting look like for you? So for kids, it could be a panic attack. It could be anger. It could be so many different things, uh, sadness. And so that's when I teach the coping strategies. So what I teach them um, is to identify physiological symptoms of, of stress. So we all have them, the fight or flight response. So where we feel it in our body, right? So the stomach hurts, the butterflies, the, the beating hearts, the tightness in the throat, you know, some kids uh, don't know what to do with their hands. And so once they identify that, I tell them that that's their clue like they're a detective, that they need to cool down and use relaxation strategies such as breathing techniques, mindfulness, guided meditation, um, so that they can use them in, in stressful situations. And that, therefore, once they have that um, base of, of their coping strategies that they can learn as they go through puberty or transition into adulthood. They have a solid foundation on how they can cope and what works for them so they can be tolerant uh, to any distress that comes their way. That's exactly it. I mean, I'm such a visual person myself. I'm like, I'm going to use that technique about the balloon because 
I have found as a grown up, you know, this last year, like I've had so many panic attacks. I'm like, what? Like I haven't dealt with this in 15 years and all of a sudden they're back with a vengeance. Um, and it really does come down to those coping mechanisms. I love that page. Now I want people to check out this book. So we're not giving it all away. Um, but you know, you, for example, there's like the word, I feel angry. And then there's other, is it, are you annoyed? Are you irritated? Is it rage? I think when it's, when you can isolate what that feeling is and you know, okay, like you said, you now know what it is. You can label it. You can name it. What are some techniques we can do to cool down, to help us deal with that emotion? Um, and you know, the next question was like, how do you see this helping children as they get older? Probably goes without saying, but like it's those, it's those coping mechanisms. How do we handle situations as we go through life? Um, I find it's, it seems so simple, right? You're like, do this thing and this is going to help you. But I don't know. Do you find that, like, are we getting to a place where parents are like less shame about not having all the answers and wanting to help kids? Like what's your take being on the, on the side that's helping children Are our children, are parents more open to help, like having their kids come in and talk to someone? I think so. Also, because, you know, when, when they are open, they come to me, but, right, but, right. <laughs> but I, I think so, but not only for that reason, I, I think so because we're talking about it more. Uh, I think so because we are, um, as parents, um, as communities, we are talking about mental health and its impacts. We're talking about um, symptoms more, more so than, you know, when you and I were in high school together. This is not something that was discussed as much. So the more that we're talking about it, the more it's being normalized, um, so therefore people are asking for help and, and I think it's a really beautiful thing to ask for help and to, um, get support. If you even think it may be needed, you could always ask. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Just thinking back to, you know, high school days and elementary days, it's wild to think how much has changed for the positive in this conversation. You know, I remember as a kid having like tummy pains, not realizing that those tummy pains were actually stress and anxiety and how that shows up in our body. And I say this to my parents all the time. I'm like, it's just so different to parent now. Like your child has something happening and you go into Google and you're like, bup, 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 and then resources appear, you know, a lot of times good stuff, but a, there's a lot more available. So even if you weren't exposed to it from your childhood, you can hop on the internet and find ways to help your child cope. And it's just, I mean, like your book, it's amazing that there's these options for family. Now I'm curious, this could be a little controversial part of this conversation. Um, but, you know, as children, you know, have this conversation as like mental health awareness is so much pre more prevalent than it has been. And we're, we're, you know, helping children understand their boundaries. As an example, my son who's seven doesn't love being on camera a lot. And so could be part of his mom's problem from being a YouTuber, but that's another topic for another day. Um, but like, he'll be on the, was on the zoom calls for class. And he's like, I don't want to do the, I don't want to do the video. I'm like, no problem. So no video, no problem. I dealt with the teacher. We did it. Although there were times where he did need to go on video if it was for a presentation or just like he hadn't shown his face in three weeks. And I wanted his teacher to know he was actually sitting there. You know, how do we find that balance with kids where it's like, 
were respectful of their mental health and their boundaries and knowing when things are uncomfortable and being like, it's cool to walk away versus stepping outside of your comfort zone, doing things that are going to help you grow as a person. You know, how do we find that balance or teach that balance? There's something called exposure therapy. So what exposure therapy is, is that it exposes a child or an adult or whomever to a stressful event or something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable and teaches you how to cope through that. Okay. So I'm going to give an example. Um, Let's say there's a child who's afraid of a dog. Okay. So exposure therapy, what, what it would teach the child to do is to cope and to manage their stress through exposing this child to the dog. So for example, the dog is across the street and you see a friendly dog. Actually, no, even before that, you see a picture of a dog. Okay. Then you see a video on YouTube of a dog. Then you see the dog across the street, friendly dog, make sure they're friendly. And then, (laughs) and then the dog comes to your side of the street and then you may pet the friendly dog. And then, and this doesn't all have to be on the same day, obviously. So, so it could be over, over time. So that's actually a type of therapy. Uh, that exposes a child to uh, an event that might stress them. But to your point, it's okay sometimes to have boundaries as well when it's not, you know, a, a fear-based um, therapy. It's, expo- it's, it's okay to, to tell the child that, you know, they can have their boundary and that's okay. And that gives them a sense of um, independence and a sense of hope and, and security, right? So- yep. It depends on, on those two different, I guess, if it's a fear or if it's a stressful event. Ah, that's interesting. Fear-based versus maybe just not having had exposure to this experience before and it's new. Like I'm thinking maybe public speaking. I mean, in high school or anything, I'd be like, I'd rather die than like do that. And then right. once you did it, you're like, well, that wasn't so bad after all. But I like that. I, that's, I've learned something new today. Exposure therapy. It makes sense, right? Like why rush into this awful experience. If you take little baby steps as you head into it, you know, I'm even thinking examples in my life where I've done that without realizing it. Like, so, you know, if you're leading up to a social event, um, you know, social gathering, sometimes I'm like, where's the parking lot? You know, I Google this, what does the building look like? You know, I, the, all these things sometimes just to help me get a little bit more feeling like a c- control over the experience really, I guess, is what it comes down to. Um, that's a really neat concept. I love that. And I love that there's, you know, there's, it's, I'm always that type of person where there's gotta be a solution. There's gotta be like a way to figure this out and, you know, hearing things like this scares me. I don't want to do it. It's like, well, let's come at it from a different angle. How can we make this work and still get to the same result? Right. And I, I love that there's these great tips and tricks that people can apply to their regular life. So you said something about control, right? And, and feeling the need to, to control a situation. So one of the activities I do uh, with children is I, I, I draw out a circle on the screen, on the Zoom screen now. So, so and inside the circle is what you can control. And outside the circle is what you can't control. Often we're focused on things that we cannot control. And so what I do is I teach children to zoom into that circle and say, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on right now. And once you focus on the things that you can control, your nervousness will, will decrease substantially. So for example, you can't control the weather, but you can control how you dress for the weather. 
right? So um, it often helps a lot of kids and teenagers and adults to learn, you know, if we focus on what we can control, we'll feel a lot better. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking, you know, big picture, right? You've got kids now who have these amazing coping skills that they're going to hopefully continue to apply as they go into their adult life. I mean, I even remember back in John Abbott days, this is Sejep in um, where we grew up, but there was, I was dealing with so much stress. And I remember that I went and saw the counselor at the school and he gave me a tape because we're that old, but a tape to, um, to listen to at nighttime, like almost like a guided meditation for sleeping. And it was like, my brain had exploded and gone to a new place. Like, I didn't know that was an option. You know, these were not the days of YouTube where you could Google guided meditations and how helpful that was just to teach me some, just one little thing, how to like calm down at the end of the day. And I mean, here I am how many years later, and I still listen to nice sleepy things at night. You know, I've come back to that same technique and it's incredibly helpful. And I think, you know, like you said, the more we talk about this topic and normalize it, and it's not a shameful thing to feel anxious feelings, to not know how to cope when things get weird, you know, and, um, to ask for help. I find that it's, if help is available, like why not tap into it? You know? Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, for a parent that's in a situation where they feel like, does my child need some help? You know, what are some steps we can do? Do you have tips? Because our, our, I guess I'm thinking about a parent that is maybe a little bit more resistant to working with um, maybe even for themselves, like, oh, they would never do talk therapy that doesn't work. What are some tips, tips that you might give a parent who's thinking about maybe my kid could use a little assistance? Talk therapy or counseling does not have to be if your child has a diagnosis. So I think that that's number one. Um, if ever you have any questions, it's it, you could always reach out to a professional first to see if that's the right fit for you and your child. And what I often tell children is that I'm kind of like a teacher, but for feelings. Okay, so I teach children how to manage their feelings and how to control their feelings. So if they're feeling sad, I help them learn ways to be happy. If they're feeling nervous, I help them learn ways to cool down. Angry, I help them learn ways to cool down. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, just like you need to learn math in school. We as humans also need to learn about our feelings. Um, often when parents reach out also for help or, or, or to, for therapy and, and or say that to their child, they almost feel hope. They feel, you know what? Oh, okay, this is okay to feel. I'm okay to feel these feelings. I am okay. And I'm going to get help. And I'm going to learn how to cool down. Um, also tips, you, you said tips that I have for, for parents. So one of the tips I would have is to take time to really listen and, and show empathy. And often I find there's a lot of parents that are constantly offering reassurance. So instead, what I recommend is to show empathy and acknowledge feelings and concerns. So for example, um, I see that you're really stressed for your oral presentation. I could see that it's really hard for you. I have a hard time as well talking in front of my colleagues. Um, and this is uh, what helps me. Uh, and you could explain what helps you. Also, what I often speak about in my practice is that there's a lot of focus on the external world 
rather than the internal world. So what I mean by that is focus on marks and external is focused on marks and performance and, and homework. Um, and internal is on effort. So if we focus on effort, you will automatically see us arise in, in self-confidence rather than uh, the external world. So those would be my, my, my tips. Tell me a little bit more about that part, the effort part. Like that's really curious to me because I find just as a side thing, like, I don't know, like we care about school and things in our house, but like, we kind of also don't like, I remember we had a big conversation with the teachers going halfway through virtual school. And we're like, listen, this is a pandemic. Okay. The kids have showed up for class. We're thrilled. You know, what happens next is just let the chips fall where they may. Um, but I know that not every household runs like that and we can be really focused on the external part of things. Um, tell me more about the effort. I'm really curious about that. The effort is called unconditional confidence. Okay, so there's conditional confidence. So it's value based on results and conditions versus unconditional confidence. So no matter what, what that is, is no matter what everyone around me says is that I will be confident in who I am. So the value is based on your character, attitude, effort. So you therefore you're confident no matter, no matter what. So you're not focused on getting that A. You're focused on, you know, being smart or athletic, right? Right, right. And I think, and you know, as you, you have three children, you'd likely know this yourself, but like how different my kids are, mm -hmm. right? And how, you know, one of them is so creative and, and just able to like come up with things that no one else would come up with you know, in her, in, in, you know, in her peer group type of thing, I was not that kid. I was so structured and like rule following and like, do, 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 do cross that T where she's like, I don't even know where the pen is. You know what I mean? Like she's got, and so it's amazing to see your child flourish, maybe in not in a non-traditional way. And it's so interesting too, just to know that there's so many different options for kids. Like it doesn't have to be one path. Um, but it's not the easiest as a parent when it's so different from the way that you are. And how do you, how do you support and encourage? I mean, you even said the term like um, less reassure, like, did you say reassurance or, or, you know, like everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, maybe everything is not fine. Right. And how do we encourage a good coping mechanism or even just identifying how we feel? I find I'm always thinking about that. Like, you know, when Jack hurt himself yesterday and you just as a mom, you're like, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's not okay. And I was like, this sucks. Are you going to, you know, and, and you're just like, that's it. Like, it just, it hurts, man. Let's just sit here that. for, you know? And I was like, I Don't. love it. And then he's upset and everything. And then you know, five minutes later, his buddy's like, you want to go back in the pool? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And I'm like, okay, interesting. But it's, it's, it's like fighting against my natural instinct to want to like make everything better right now. I struggle on. with this too. I do too. Uh, as a mom of three, I, I struggle with that as well. Uh, but one thing that I've realized is, yeah, you know what? Anger is okay. And you know, you're nervous about something. That's okay. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about that feeling and identify that feeling. So that's why I love that you brought that out of my book, the, the feeling wheel it's called um, because I want kids including my own, <laughs> to, to use those, those feeling words, uh, the more uh, we say, no, 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 it's okay, you don't have to feel that, th then they won't be encouraged to use those words. 
and, and therefore their balloon, as we spoke about before, will, will, will explode. Absolutely. And also, you know, I find that these, I mean, these skills in this type of book, it, it really simplifies the topics to make it like, you know, great for children, but they're so great for adults. Cause you know, uh, my kids know that mommy talks to someone regularly and it's like, it's not a taboo thing. It's not a hush, hush topic. It's I'm better for it. Um, you know, just to get it all out. Also, I just love that. Like, you don't have to keep it all in, wait for that balloon to pop, dump on your partner, dump on your kids. You know, I think that there's, there's ways that, and, and that your te- your kids will learn from you as well. Right. Like if, if I'm taking care of me, maybe, maybe my kid won't dump on their sibling or freak out on the parents and, and how do we teach those great skills? I think it's just such wonderful work that you're doing. And, um, I'm thrilled that you were able to chat with me today. Now you did mention that you're working with, with children and you're doing it all via zoom. So where can people find you? You can find me at www.jessicagottlieb.ca or also www.westislandtherapycenter.com. And uh, I also wanted to mention that the proceeds, a percentage of the proceeds of the book are uh, donated to charities that support the various needs of children. That's amazing. And your book can be found. I know I purchased it on Amazon. Where can people find your book? So yes, it's on Amazon and it's also on my website, uh, www.jessicagottlieb.ca1. Um, and there's there's links to the Amazon link on that uh, website. Amazing. And I love the part about the worksheets because I don't want to write in this very pretty book. I want to keep it nice. And um, But I think that that kind of stuff is so good. Like I know my daughter and I started a little journal um, to help with sleeping and we were like writing stories back and forth to each other, but then sometimes you fall off that and it's just finding another way, right? Like how do you put these emotions down on paper? How do you help your children articulate how they're feeling? And just, I mean, if things have been weird for adults, guaranteed they're weird for kids the last year. So a hundred percent. And this was a way for me to pivot and cope throughout the pandemic too, to write this book. It was, it was, you know, as you said, weird for parents and it was weird <laughs> for me. And so I, I needed to cope and, and pivot through this pandemic using the clinical part of my brain. And that's why I did it. One of the reasons why I did it. Well, we're glad that you did. Well, so thank you so much for your time, Jessica. And um, for those listening, uh, you know, check out our website and, and learn a little bit more about being B. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the man friend portion of the podcast. Hi, man friends. They're so good. I thought that was a very insightful episode about how kids have been managing or maybe Mm -hmm. not doing so well these last few months and how we can better support them. And I thought that perhaps you and I could talk about how it's been, you know, as parents and some things we've seen go really well over the last little bit and maybe some things that haven't gone as great. Oh yeah. Well, I'm locked and loaded for a bunch of stuff because yeah. Yeah. We've been in the thick of it with the parenting situation. Yep. So one fun fact is that I I finally opened the report cards to see. Oh, did you? (laughs) 
You're very brave. You're very brave. I was brave. Very, you know, for people listening, we've probably had the report cards for like a month now. I didn't even want to show you. It is not worth talking about. It's a lot of like needs Here's improvement. Here's what I need to know. I'm just like. Did they go on to the next grade? That's all I checked. I was like, grade two, grade five, we out. Yeah. Like, mic, I'm not signing drop. this. Bye-bye. I am just like, are you kidding me? You know what my favorite pet peeve to bring up is? What? Is those, you set them up on the computer in the morning and then you get a text, you know, 45 minutes later is like, can Jack come back to school? And I'm like, what the hell? And I go in there and the computer's kind of still on, but it's like they've gone to a different lesson or a breakout room or something and he's sitting there. He saw a butterfly or like. He's just like building his Minecraft. Thousand yard stare. He's like, this sucks. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you know, you and I went through this thing. Like, well, who is? uh, You know, you're thinking it's like a a Instagram kind of thing where you're everybody's life's so perfect. You know, some of these people they must just be sitting with their kids and they have you know refreshments and cookies and you know really good calculators that calculator with the graph that makes the graph you know that we i never had <laughs> but they don't they're uh they're having the same problems as us and towards the end i mean we were the we were the keeners because some of the parents we talked to they're like i'm this is bull yeah and they'd works. only been doing it for like two weeks and right. we've been going at it since october Because we were late to start the online situation, the virtual school. Now, granted, for those people listening going, yeah, but you chose it. We did because we were trying to weigh the risk situation with this pandemic that's happened. And we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I just feel like, you know, and I will come off of this rant here, but I just feel like you cannot expect like normal behavior and patterns from children in completely uncertain times. Agreed. And not every household experienced the volume of stress and, you know, foundation kind of rattling that we have. Yeah. And I just think that it is so unfair for kids to be tried to be marked all the same and none of that taken into consideration. Right. There was a thing where, you know, I found it a little bit. Let's just talk about Jack for a second. Sure. And you know, I'm not, I'm not quite, you know, agreeing with you on something. I don't think the teachers sucked. They. <laughs> I'm just being mean. <laughs> but what I think is that there's a level of awareness, if not maturity, mm. in some of those teachers' uh, view on how education should go. And I was listening to Elon Musk on. TikTok? I don't know, something. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, some of these kids, they're, they're, they're not taking to the subject matter because they're not learning the why. I am upset about it, but I mean, it's just because I'm a mom and like, don't mess with my baby cubs because I come for the jugular. You know what I mean? It doesn't even matter. He's going to grade two. Who cares? We're moving on. And I think the thing is that there's always going to be that practical side to learning something. And you know, we all know, and we don't have to tell any of the listeners, and we don't have to tell each other that the whole life thing is a big game, right? You, and you jump through the hoops. Oh, there's another hoop. I jump through that hoop. 
you don't question it because the, in the end, all that matters is that you have uh, an education that ticks the boxes that, oh, you've got this mark and this mark and this mark, you're eligible to go into a higher level of education. And then you do the same thing, you do the same thing. And you, you, you learn what you can along the way, but you're just, you're just getting through it. I mean, the, the, the phrase they use in, in a lot in the pilot game is you're drinking through, you'll be drinking through a fire hose. And if I hear that again, I'm just going to lose it. But but I've never heard that in my life. Haven't you? It's like, there's just information coming and you take as much in as you can because it's business. We want you qualified. We want you on this aircraft. That's not to say that you get what you can and you move on because you still have to pass tests. But what we educate ourselves on is what's important. And you're developing, like literally, I develop my own system as other people develop their own system on getting through a a course or a ground school. I don't don't know everything when I finish that ground school. I don't know everything uh, when I'm released on that jet. But I know enough that I can cover all the bases for safety and I'm not going to hurt myself or hurt anybody else. But all the other stuff that they covered, I mean, every once in a while you go, oh my God, I think I heard something about that or whatever. Because it's only a requirement of the governing body, just like school. So, you know, I... And I think you have to be in situ in these situations when it comes to friendship and learning the you mean like ins- being in school and situ- yeah. Like being, yeah they have to For be sure. in the situation so like they you know i feel like having a tween or a soon to be tween and then a little guy the little guys do having you know he's having struggles but he's also gung-ho about stuff like i've noticed he's really come alive with his football that he's taking and like he used to be so shy about mingling and now he's just like Oh, hell no. It has been months without, you know, experiences that are new and I'm here for this, you know? Um, And on the other side, I feel like there's a little bit of a learning curve that's going to happen when Esme gets back to school, for example, just all the social things that you learn on that cusp you know, little kid to tween age, you're learning about ins and outs of friendships and how you, you know, now everyone's using the tech things and like, how are they chatting in group chats and how Well, that we... was one advantage about, you know, using the computers is that those kids know their way around a computer now, which is lovely. Oh yeah. Uh, and they didn't before. I mean, using a, a tablet, you're not really learning anything, but you know, uh, taking, importing a picture and, you know, opening a text box and that type of thing. So there was some learning to it, but I think both of us had the same experience as I'm sure countless parents out there. And it's just like, I've had enough. Oh yeah. So one of the things that I noticed as far as coping, uh, let's use Jack for an example, is that he saw online, some of the kids were really thriving and not many of them but some of them and you know there was some tears where he felt kind of like I'm not good enough and all that type of stuff and you really have to watch as a parent and 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 I mean I learned from a grade four and five teacher it was our same teacher and she was like you know you you who do you love uh most in this world and I love my dad no you love yourself and 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 that sounds really you know kind of weird wishy-washy or, or, or flowers and sunshine but it's absolutely the truth unless you really love yourself and unless you see the 
amazing things about yourself, not the dark things, not the, the things that you lack. Those you can work on as you go, but you need to be able to survive. And that's where, you know, uh, talking about this book, uh, Being B, is that, you know, you read through it and it's like, it's got things about breathing, you know, breathing exercise, being confident, not having to be the best at everything, but mm-hmm. still being accepted, recognizing that you're different than other kids. And it is great. That's a great place to start. And also, if you have a vehicle to, to power a medium to pass it on to them, a video or a book, as well as you, you know, just talking, because they don't want to hear you talk all day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that has actually been to bring it to the light, you know, because it's so easy to focus on all the things that went wrong these yeah. last oh, few months. But something that I feel has gone really well is to your point, like we've really had a lot of one-on-one time with these kids. And oh, have <laughs> but like some of it's been like, oh my God, can we just like put you in the forest and come back for you in a week? But also there's been these little special moments and opportunities to have discussions about maybe like seemingly heavier topics of conversation like body confidence or just bodies in general Mm -hmm. with the kids because we have the time to do it you know we're spending so much time they've built up this I think most kids are pretty confident to talk to their parents but there's just this extra level of closeness that we've had the last few you know last few months that the kids can really come to us with anything um so it's true. Well, it's we like, really like our kids. We do. <laughs> like, th- that sounds weird. We all, I love my kids too. Well, yes, I know. Everybody loves their kids. But we really like them. I'm sure, that I'm not saying it's just us, but it's amazing that uh, uh, the stuff that comes out of their mouth and, and the thoughts that they have. And it and it's, makes me feel nice that, that uh, you know, Jackie's very conscientious about, uh, you know, people's feelings and... Um, when he's around like smaller kids, he's gentle, but he also doesn't put up with any crap. Mm. You know, jackals throw a, a, a left jab and a, <laughs> you know, and a right hook. He comes for a his sister when, when she <laughs> deserves it. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you know, you don't want to push that type of stuff, but no. anyway, he can take care of himself and, and it's nice to see. And you kind of look at that and you go, you know what? Good for you, man. You're, oh, you're doing it. And what did I say to you yesterday? We were sitting on the beach and I said, you know, it's funny. You see the kids playing and they're they're in the water on their own and they're they don't need us right there all the time. And I said, you know, I look at Esme now and it's like I see less of her like that's my baby and more like that's Esme. Like she's really coming oh, into her own. She's so strong. She's so strong and such a big heart and all of these thoughts and interesting things that she literally cracks me up on the daily with stuff that is like little quirky bits about her personality. And yeah. I I think, yes, I would have seen that because my work has me working from home, right? I would have naturally noticed all these things, but that's been something that's pretty special is like we have spent so much time together that you have an opportunity to see all these little changes within them. Right. And I mean, you know, it's, you know, I know that we're not at the end of this like new way of living, but I'm pretty hopeful that the fall will look so good for them and they can get back to things. I'm already seeing it now with yeah, the kids. Yeah, well, we have a... We have a month uh, and a week or so, I guess, till school starts, or a month and three days or something. I'm hoping, I'm praying that it's just regular school and, you know, all this type of stuff, because 
it's just not good for them. I don't want them to miss out. That age where you make those memories with good friends and, you know, all those things, the the, the scariness of school and finding that comfort, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like going to a new job where you you walk into a place and it's just like, you know, there's always those people going to tell you, well, you're new here and this is the way it's going to go. And you get you get used to that. I mean, you get an education about... How to Ad- cope. How to cope, how to adapt yeah. in school. Yeah. So, but I, I, I have hopes that, um, I have hopes that uh, it, it will, uh, it, it will happen. Yeah. I, I think that things are starting to calm down a little bit and there's that Delta variant thing going on, you know, it's still, so. I'm not a, I'll just say right now. I don't know what the hell's going on. No, I don't think anybody does. And, and I'm, but I'm not taking. You know, we have our vaccinations. Yeah. Uh, maybe we have to get a booster or something. I'm reading. I don't know. Like, I'm hoping that this Delta variant doesn't take off. I hope that um, the kids can return to a normal life because it's really important. It's not the time for us to become to reinvent the wheel about education no. and all that type of stuff. I. Yeah, I don't know. I we, have thoughts. we have thoughts. We have thoughts. And yeah, yeah we don't want to like sabotage this whole episode about that negative side of things. I mean, we're going to stay optimistic and I hope you guys are too. And we thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And I also just want to throw it out there that if you as the listener know of or have some interesting tale to tell, a hobby, an interest, a passion, and that you would like to be a guest on Friendo, there's going to be a link in this in this week's show notes for you to apply because I'm looking to get all sorts of guests lined up for the next season. And that is that. So thank you for being here, Dean. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I found you Actually, in the garage. I live here, so you do. You uh, live here. It was great. You pay rent. Okay, out. guys. <laughs> we'll Not catch lately. you. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye bye. Friendo podcast is produced and hosted by me, Amanda Muse. Music on this episode is written by Chris Bevins and Mike Payne. Performed and produced by MP Real Glow. If you'd like to help support the growth of Friendo Podcast, you can do so by leaving a positive review, sharing the podcast with your friends and community, and supporting the shop at hellofriendo.com. Find us on Instagram at shophellofriendo. And thank you for listening. And remember, be your own bird. <laughs>